Between Siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. Yeah. How's your summer been? Good, so far. Um, I, wait, it's not summer yet. Not technically. I guess Thursday is technically the... Is it Thursday or is it... Wednesday? If it's the 21st, then it's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I guess the day this episode goes up will be the first day of summer. All right. Yep. Yeah, you said it was going all right? Yeah. Um, I think I have finally caught up on sleep and rest, and now I've kind of slowly started to become like more productive. That's cool. In terms of yep. like getting stuff done around the house. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, how's uh, Andrew's ball games going? So his rec... So his regular season rec ball is over. They had their last game this past Thursday. And now he's doing All-Stars. And the tournament for that is starting this upcoming weekend. So is there any time in the year when he's not playing some kind of sport? Now, this, now last year he did not play a sport during the fall. Well, yeah, he did because he did travel ball. Well, uh, you got anything else you've been up to? I went out today and bought, uh, like, mason jars, because I'm going to make homemade pickles. Oh, that's fun. Um, my, the, the people who I buy my vegetables from, they had, they sell pickling cucumbers, which I guess are different than regular cucumbers. Yeah. So I bought some, and I, so then today I went and bought, like, the mason jars, and some of the other ingredients that I would need to actually make pickles. So that'll happen either tonight or tomorrow. Alright. I'm uh, waiting for the weather to clear up. Yeah, we've got thunder showers all this week on the forecast, so mm-hmm. it uh, makes getting out and doing stuff a little bit tricky to schedule. True. I think we do too, yeah. although right now it's just like, it's not raining right now, but it, it was earlier, so it's like super muggy. Yeah, I had myself another job interview yesterday. Mm-hmm. It is the fourth in the past month. I've just sort of been bouncing. It's all been for the same place, and I've just been bouncing around different positions, mm-hmm. sort of getting FaceTime with the people who work there. So I think it's looking pretty good. Okay. I'll keep you guys appraised uh, how it goes in the future. Won't have as much reading to talk about this week because... I have I am all but finished with Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I've finished pretty much all the main uh, storyline stuff. Most of the side quests, basically, there's just like a handful of little completionist-esque tasks for me to fulfill if I'm so inclined before going to the main final boss. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have plunked down, I think, just about 200 hours on that game in the last month or so okay so but then of course this is the sort of thing i don't really intend to ever come back to this game yeah so it's really the the sort of thing where you just deep dive in right out the gate and then afterwards you're sort of done with it Mm-hmm. okay yep i did just remember one thing and i say that because i have my work email pulled up um which is how i do everything like both work and professional development related. Uh, I think yep. I've talked about it multiple times uh, that I'm taking a gifted and talented class. Yes. 
And so I had a big project, which is one reason why I had to, I asked you if we could push back the recording of this. I had a big project due uh, this weekend where I had to complete a case study on a student who is gifted. Um, So I actually, so I had to, that was a lot more intensive than I thought it was going to be because I had to have at least five different sources and I don't think I could include myself in that. Yeah. So I had to like reach out to, you know, their teachers and administrators and, and their parents and stuff like that and be like, hey, I need you to give me as much information about these children as possible. And then oh, you just right. kind of like compile all of that into one document. I mean, it was fun because like I like doing that kind of thing, but yeah. it was really, really intensive. And but I got it finished and I turned it in on time. But I had some other homework that I was just like, because I was so focused on the project, I was just like, you yeah. know what? The homework, if you, I don't know, have you ever taken an online class? Of a fashion, I guess. A big part of every single online class I have ever taken is you read a bunch of stuff and then you have to like answer a question on basically like a community forum. Uh huh. And then not only do you have to answer the post, but then you usually have to like respond to one or two other people's posts. Yeah, about, I've, I've had that yeah. uh, set up. So that part of my homework, I guess, I was just like, yeah, this isn't going to get done. So I had to do it yesterday and it got, anyway, it got turned in late and I'm okay with that, but it got turned in. Okay. Happy for you. So I've only got one more week of that, of this oh. class. Oh. Okay. And then I'm done. All right. Will that, um, inter- will that have any impact on our, on the plans to come visit this weekend? No, no, because, um, the stuff that's due is pretty simple. It's basically like complete the course evaluation, write a summary of what, well, like what were your biggest takeaways from this class? And like, I think maybe one final discussion post and like, those are all simple things. Okay. It's not, it's not like research intensive, like this case study was. Sure. Or like a couple weeks ago where I had to do a, um, a presentation on like special populations within the gifted and talented community. Well, yeah, like I said just there, uh, we are planning on having a family get together this weekend where me, mom, and dad would be coming down to see y'all. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm not sure what their housing arrangements are like. They've been talking about like various Airbnbs for a while now, but I'm not sure if that's what they were looking into or if this was going to be more just sort of standard i know they really liked the last one that they stayed at well i can ask them about it a little later so you ready to dive into the books then yeah um do we just need to go ahead and like come clean up at the top about the challenge for this week right neither of us finished uh wolf hall it sounds like yeah no okay well, that's fine. I think that's fair. Uh, do you get a, a start on it at least? Yeah, I mean, I did. Well, I started it. I got a couple chapters in, and the thing is, is like I really hate that I didn't start it early and like earlier, because yeah. I can tell I'm gonna like this book. Yeah, I'm digging it too. And I'm just like, man, 
you know, I feel like I typically say, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, whenever I don't finish a book for a challenge, I feel like I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to finish this. And then, like, I don't or I very rarely do. And this one, I'm like, nah, I'm going to keep reading this one. Yeah, I'm with you there. I kind of get the, I mean, the easy summation is that it's basically Game of Thrones set in uh, Tudor, England in Mm -hmm. the the 1500s. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess the main point of view character is like the historical figure, Thomas Cromwell. Mm -hmm. You're just sort of like following him from his childhood uh, up into his adulthood, working under... I guess one of the cardinals and uh, in the court of King Henry VIII. And then you're sort of following his experience of the whole uh, Anne Boleyn sort of scandal. Or who did he marry? Anne or Mary? He married Anne, but he had an affair and I think a child with Mary. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're getting like like roped into all that intrigue assets happening and you're getting all the attendant like historical context and details uh you mentioned being a few chapters in and i uh i'm about uh, 150 pages in so Uh there's like a sizable portion of the book that's just like 10 period a 10 year period in the lead up to like the main timeline of the story where uh the cardinal that Thomas has been working under has been sort of expelled from the court and is awaiting hearing from the king. Mm-hmm. Thomas is sort of acting as like crisis management for him and trying to go about between all these bi- different power players and established ties and what have you. Mm-hmm. Arguably even more so than the machinations of the plot is the quality of the language of the writing. I think mm-hmm. is very intriguing. Yeah. Because like, the author, uh, Hilary Mantel, plays with some very interesting use of uh, perspective and uh, tense in mm-hmm. terms of uh, Thomas Cromwell's character. It's never like solidly from third-person omniscient perspective. Yeah. You feel like within a, within a given portion of the text, you're sort of bouncing around between third-person omniscient, first-person... Uh, sometimes Thomas Cromwell was referred to in different contexts and titles, like depending on like minute uh, variations in a given situation. Mm-hmm. It, it can be a little heady to like try and keep track of if you're not just like going along with the vibes of it. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm I'm digging it. Yeah, and I'm like I'm still in the first part because not only is this book broken broken down into chapters, but it's broken down into parts. So, like, where I finished reading earlier today was Tom, or Cromwell, Cromwell's conversation with, like, the Cardinal. Yeah. At the beginning. That's, like, that's as far as I got. But there is... How how did you describe her writing again? I, I said that it sort of bounces about the place in terms of tense and uh, syntax. Yeah. So like the the st- the style of the writing will change like from paragraph to paragraph in response to like the shifting dynamics of the story. Yeah. Yeah. I find it to be or so far what I've read so far, I do find I find it to be like incredibly readable. Like it's not, you know, sometimes you read kind of like 
historical fiction or whatever, and it's very dry, and it, it just, like, it takes effort to get through. Yeah. And so far, I haven't experienced that. What? Who wrote Pillars of the Earth? Uh, Ken Follett. Okay. So, I tried, so because I read another book by Ken Follett that, like, was super, super good. It was, like, a World War II spy mission type deal, and it was extremely readable and it was it had like romance it had action it had tragedy like it was fantastic so because and i can't remember the name of it but because i like that book so much i was like oh well i'm gonna read pillars of the earth because that's like ken follett's like big famous thing and dear god almighty (laughs) like i'm sure it's a good book once you finish learning about the architecture of how of a cathedral yeah I don't know. Maybe Ken Follick is just like a more modern Tolkien, even though I've never really tried to read Tolkien except for The Hobbit. I just know people say of Tolkien that it's like, he described, like it takes him like six pages to describe a mountain. Sure. That doesn't seem to happen in this book. (laughs) I've had some experience with that. Um, There's this novel that I bought back at, uh, back in Atlanta called Captivity Mm -hmm. by uh, Georgi Spiro. It's like one of those names with like three different uh, kinds of like accent over the various letters. Yeah. So I'm not totally sure about my pronunciation there. But it's set in like in the time of Christ. So like the 30s AD. The perspective character is a young Jew who's uh, been sent out by his community on a pilgrimage. And over the course of that pilgrimage, he gets imprisoned and sent off to a labor camp and then gets picked up by various people and sort of changes hands and, like, experiences different, like, areas of the Roman Empire at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, very dense historical fiction, and there are, like, whole pages where the author is just noting technical detail of the construction of a coliseum down to, like, its dimensions and mm-hmm. what have you and the materials it's made out of so that kind of granularity to historical fiction i feel like is sort of a quality some people may look into going in but uh it can also be kind of intimidating mm-hmm. in its own right it really comes down to whether or not you're able to gel with the style of the writing or the characters and other aspects of it yeah but uh, yeah, this um, Wolf Hall is the first of a trilogy, and like even just with what I've read so far, it's kind of interesting to consider where the full scope of this story is going to go. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's following like a chronology of characters. Yeah. So like, because like I know like Henry the Eighth, but I couldn't tell you like where he exists on a timeline with other kings and other historical events. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll be sort of picking that up as it goes along. I'm somewhat familiar with Henry VIII, but I will say the vast majority of what I know about Henry VIII, I got mm-hmm. from the show Tudors. Okay, I never watched that. <laughs> it was really good. It was also really slutty. Sure. I feel like there's a grand tradition in cinema of using uh, historical settings and period pieces as like a pretense for... So the salacious content. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, like, you know how, like, I guess, sexually graphic um, Game of Thrones is, was? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like that. Sure. Did it predate Game of Thrones or was it after? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, Tudor, yeah, no. Tudors came before Game of Thrones because I was watching Tudors when I lived in the Low Country okay. 10 plus years, you know, over a decade ago, which is crazy to yeah. say. Yeah, so the Tudors was a TV series from 2007 to 2010. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty early. Sorry, I was just checking the weather. It's, like I said before, it's looking like it's going to be coming down cats and dogs tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been trying to get over to my friend Caleb's place for movie night uh, all this week, but it's looking like we just keep having to play it by ear depending on what the weather's doing. Right. Let's see. Has it started raining over where y'all are yet? It doesn't look like it. Not yet, anyway. But it rained. Yeah, it'll probably... It rained super hard yesterday, and then it was raining, um, like this morning. Yeah, do you have any other thoughts about the reading? Not so far. Um, I am going to continue to read it, so maybe next week, or maybe our next episode, I'll have some more thoughts. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think we can sort of keep up to date on it. Yeah. We'll also have that other book to read for next week. Uh, yep. Which I've gotten a start on. That, of course, is, uh, a, 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 what is, it, what is it even called? An Amazingly Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. Oh, yeah. That, um, sorry for the, I guess, less than in-depth discussion about Wolf Hall this week, but we'll be uh, sticking with it in the weeks to come. Yep. Maybe we'll take a quick break right now, and then in a few minutes when we get back, uh, we'll talk about some of the other stuff we've been reading. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Alrighty, well, we'll see y'all in a minute. Alrighty. Hi, and welcome back to this week's episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. So before the break, we were discussing um, the weekly cha- or the challenge that neither one of us finished, which was Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. And now we're going to get into what else we've been reading. Uh, and to start off, uh, I think we oh. can touch on, uh, Hold on a bit we- of outstanding business. What? Yeah. Oh, sorry. You were getting ready to say what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. I should yeah. have been patient. Now, I was just going to point out that uh, a couple weeks back we read um, Ian F. Martin's Quit Your Band, his uh, autobiographical account of uh, the various Tokyo, Japan music scenes. Yep. And we never did get a word count for that, but Elizabeth recently ran the numbers on it. We have it at as being about 45,360 words. Yep. So each of us have added that to our word total. Yeah, now I think we can go ahead with... Uh, where we were at okay uh, what's your re- yeah so i read eight books that's cool um but they are from they are two two different series um okay so the first six books that i read they all came from the same same series and it's like a complete series and then yes the, the seventh and eighth books i read they are the first two books in a different series but takes but that takes place in the same universe as the first series oh sure and it also and it seems to be ongoing meaning the author is still putting is like still publishing books for this like this newer series that i've started reading so yeah all right well yeah let's hear about it okay um the author's name was amy wright amy spelled a-m-i a-m-i and the series was called Forbidden Mates of the Ardun Royal Guard. And then each of the six books in that series is like 
the name of the male protagonist. So it's like Amir, Hissam, Malik, Sitar, Haro, or Jaro, I'm not real sure, and Ikad. And so basically, the book takes place like a thousand years from now. And so intergalactic travel is possible. And they are on the planet of our, I think it's Ardun. And the Ardun people are cat-human hybrids. Sure. And it's a very, and it's like a matriarchal society. Um, They have a queen that's called, well, they call all of their females queens. So like in the book, or at least at first, like it gets kind of confusing because they will refer to a female Ardun as a queen. And you're like, but you're not talking about like the queen queen, but she has a different title. She's called the Shahra. Um, okay. And so anyway, so the book is about six Ardun males who have completed like basically a gladiator series. And because they were the, like the six highest, like they were basically like the top six. So that means that yeah. they get to enter the Shahra, they get to become the Shahra's royal guard, and they also mm-hmm. enter her harem. Yeah. Here's where the problem is. Once you make your commitment to the Shahra, you can't have, like, you can't, like, pursue any other kind of relationships. Yeah. So, that's a problem, because guess what? There's a, there's a group of six human girlfriends who are on this planet for vacation. Yeah. And and then basically like at the at the at the at the award ceremony, chaos breaks out amongst the crowd, and so the Shahra tells the royal guard, "Okay, you need to go protect the humans." And so basically, that's how each of the royal guard like pairs up with a different human. Okay. And then each book is about the relationships that, or how the relationships play out. Sure. So yeah, so I mean, like it was good. It was cute. All I right. liked it. And then books seven and eight, they take place within the same universe as the fir- as the uh, the Royal Guards of Ardun. Okay. Uh, but this one, this series, I guess, is just called Alien Billionaires, and this, <laughs> yeah. And so it's mentioned in the Ardun books that there is a planet called Zimia, spelled X I M I A. Okay. And the Zimians, this is so ridiculous. The Zimians are polar bear human hybrids. Sure. <laughs> and and these books don't actually take place on Zimia. They take place on like a spa- like a shopping space station. Yeah. Yeah, and so far there's two books. Apparently there's going to be more. And again, they these like polar bear hybrids they fall in love with human women who come from like you know less than ideal means okay so that's what i read all righty well i uh had a a bit of variety in my reading uh, generally only really finished one book but i've got several um manga that i've been catching up on and that i can shout out some series long time series i've been reading uh spy family by tatsuya endo and uh, Delicious in Dungeon by uh, Yoko Rui. Uh, these are both series I've been reading a good long while now. And I've finished up their most recent volumes. Which dropped, uh, I think the last D- Delicious in Dungeon dropped back in May by family. It's funny how, I think maybe because it's on a monthly schedule or bi-monthly at best. 
Mm-hmm. But Spy Family doesn't update that frequently, so the wait between volumes has been fairly long. Mm-hmm. I know you watched all of the anime as it currently stands. Basically, that se- that first 25-episode season covered like the first seven volumes, thereabouts. Okay. And there are presently only nine volumes released into English, so if the next season was going to hold to that same pace, then they would probably need to wait for a good bit more material to be published. Right. But then it also seems like that uh, the Japanese release is a good bit of ways ahead. I guess that the staggering out of localization is such that you can't really be sure how soon you're going to be getting anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, also speaking of uh, anime, the Delicious in Dungeon manga is getting an anime adaptation starting next January. Oh, okay. And I would wholly recommend you read the manga because I think it'd be something sort of in your vein. Mm-hmm. But because uh, it's like a, f- a fantasy story with a heavy emphasis on like cooking and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, for anybody who's not so much into manga, definitely looking forward to seeing it get adapted. The other manga that I had to talk about, this is one I picked up just yesterday while I was out of town. It's called Don't Call It Mystery uh, by Yumi Tamura. Apparently it has seen great success for its live-action television drama adaptation. Mm-hmm. But it started out as a manga that began publication in 2016, and it just started getting published in these like large omnibus editions uh, just recently. The art style varies between very pretty and very sketchy. Mm-hmm. Especially on the close-ups, you'll have like very detailed faces and eyes. But then when you pull back and get like wide shots of characters and their environments, it's very like scribbly. Yeah. It does sort of help with like the readability of it. You almost feel like you're reading a web manga. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, as the title implies, it's a mystery series and focuses on the main character, a college student named Totuno, who, uh, while, like, cooking curry in his apartment one day, gets br- brought in by the police on suspect of, uh, murdering one of his classmates. Oh. And the first, the whole first story arc, which is about 80 pages, uh, is just him sort of, like, stuck in the interrogation room. Just sort of like trying to learn about the police officers who are working his case and the details of the case in question and just trying to figure out what happened. He's one of those like like sort of weird uh, idiosyncratic kind of detectives basically where he's not he's just sort of like detached from everything and has these really weird tangents that he goes on that eventually loop around to being about the case in question. Mm-hmm. And there's some like uh, editorializing in the book by the author about how much talking there is in this manga Mm -hmm. and it really does feel like you could almost be reading like an adaptation of a stage play okay because so much of what you're seeing is just people talking together in a single location yeah but it's still very engaging both in terms of like the directions that any given mystery takes okay and uh the way the characters play off each other so i know we're going to be seeing each other again soon uh this would be a manga I definitely think you'd get a kick out of, so I'll be seeing if you wanted to borrow it. Yeah. Yeah. That covered my manga. Did you have any other books you wanted to talk about? Nope, that was it. Okay. Well, the one actual book, or like with word total uh, eligibility that I had 
to put forward this week is a novella by uh, a Japanese author named Ryu Nosuke Akutagawa. Mm-hmm. And it's called Kappa. As the title implies, it is about the Japanese mythological creature called a Kappa, which is like a sort of a turtle bird. It's like a, a reptile with a bald plate on its head and a beak. It's got like webbed fingers and toes. Hmm. And or this novella, rather, was published back in uh, like the 1950s, I want to say. The publication details on this edition are pretty weird. Like normally, this is a New Directions publication, and usually they're pretty good about like incorporating context and uh, historical detail. Mm-hmm. Whenever they uh, pick up a foreign language or historical uh, text, for some reason, like this volume, maybe just because it's so short, it's only about 80 pages. There's not even like a foreword or anything like that. So you're really just getting the story as it is. And I said it was like 19, 1940s maybe, mm-hmm. but the author passed away in 1927. So it's actually closer to like 1920s. Oh. Yeah. So just to give you a quick overview, it's about this guy who's a patient in a mental hospital, and basically the only way he communicates with people is to recount the time he spent in a place called Kappaland, which is, as the name implies, the alternate dimension-seeming land where all the Kappas live. Mm-hmm. And basically it's just sort of absurdist satire using the framework of Kappa society and Kappa personalities to comment on various Japanese institutions and class structures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all right for what it is. It didn't really blow me away. The One of the noteworthy details, I think, is that the same author who wrote this, if you've ever heard of a story called Rashomon, yeah. which is the famous Japanese novella about a criminal case wherein like all the different witnesses and parties involved have different accounts of how it happened. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, later got adapted into a famous Akira Kurosawa film. It's the same author of that original story as wrote this. I'd definitely be interested in checking out more of his works, but this one was just sort of like fine for what it was. Okay. And obviously like 80 pages, fairly wide margins. It's a pretty quick read. I could have knocked it out in like a single sitting if I didn't have more Zelda to play basically. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that pretty much does it for my reading. Uh, the last couple weeks. Okay. I think I feel like I'm sort of hitting a, a low in terms of my own like reading patterns, and uh, we'll be working to get up from out of that as soon as I can. Yeah. You want to talk word totals? Sure. So from last episode, my word total for last episode between Quit Your Band and then the other book I read, I was 175,050 words, which brought my total then to 2,483,645 words. So that was my word total last episode. Okay. This episode, I have read eight books for a subtotal of 470,964 words, which brings my total, my year-to-date total to 2,954,000 609 words, which puts me at 29.4% of my 2021 word count. All right, and you have officially surged ahead in the 2023 word totals. Woohoo! 
after having added the uh, word total for quit your band and adding on the 17,472 words I got from Kappa, my present word total is 2,777,337 words, which is 62.6% of my word total from our first year doing this. Yeah, you still have me, you still have me in terms of percentages. That's true. But uh, I feel like after having a nice lead for a change for so long, I'm definitely going to want to try to put the pedal down in the weeks to come. Mm-hmm. We got our word totals. You got any uh, bingo selections available to you? Not this time. So if it's okay with you for next episode, I'm going to try to have two. That's fine. What about you? Well, I could go ahead and submit COPPA for uh, Asian language translation. All right, so you, let me double check, make sure I'm telling you right. So you are still one away from a bingo. Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah, I'll be getting there soon. You will. You got uh, got our next reading challenge set up for us? Yeah, and I'm going to warn you, it's a doozy. All right. Um, I think kind of the one thing on our bingo card that we've been kind of shying away from is the book over 500 pages. I thought that's, uh, I mean, that's definitely something Wolf Hall could apply to. Oh, really? Because mine's not 500, my copy's not 500 pages. Well, I've got a, uh... I don't think. Uh, hold on. Okay. I've got a hardback edition here that is, uh, 534. Oh, well, crap. Okay, then. Well, I mean, you could still, you could still suggest what book you were going to suggest. Okay, so I was going to suggest Priory of the Orange... Okay, I've never heard of that. It's, um, you saw me buy it on our last, or on our special episode, uh, to Carborough. Uh, Priory of the Orange is like 850 pages. Wow, that's intense. Uh, do you know what it's about? Not really. I think it's about dragons. Oh, 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 you know what? Yeah, I have seen that book. Yeah, it's got the wild cover on it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'd be down for checking that book out. Alright, cool. Alrighty, so Priory of Orange will be uh, the book we talk about in a month's time. A remarkable, I, goodness sakes, I forget, why do I keep blank? For some reason, Goodreads is taking like 90 hours to upload. Here we go. An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hate Green is uh, the book that we'll be talking about in two weeks. Okay. I appreciate y'all listening in to another episode of Your Words Against Mine. I believe that does it for us today. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, you want to let them know where they can find us? Yeah, so you can find us on our social medias. Um, we are on... Uh, we oh. are on... <laughs> sorry. Where are we? We are, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can send us a question, comment, or recommendation to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. And again, Elizabeth, I thank you for talking with me today. Well, thank you for talking with me today. Wish, wish you well on your read. Thanks. You too. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye.